oh my, my Bible finally fell apart. Whew, I'm going to have to take that in. That's one of my favorites. I can't have that happen. Good morning. So here we are, eight days in already, right? Working on this year, working on 2023. Uh, so <clears throat> I heard somebody make a, make a statement. They were a, 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 just a pastor, and they said, you know, you got to be willing to eat what you cook, right? Anybody else? No, you know, you guys eat out, so you don't eat what you cook, but uh, you got to be willing to eat what you cook. And so this last week, right, every day, Every day, um, I made it a practice to receive that day from the Lord, asking him to help me to see the importance and the value of the day he created. And uh, at least two of those days, at least the last two days, um, I've gotten to the end of the day and, and uh, kind of a, a little ritual Cassandra and I have, we try to engage in. Um, each evening before we go to bed. And, and for, so for two nights, I told Cassandra, I said, it just such a sense of settledness and, and peace in my heart, right? As I get ready to go to bed, which uh, I can't tell you the last time I had two of those days in a row. Um, I'm thinking to myself, you always think, how am I doing this? Because I don't want to mess it up, right? It, but it's not a matter of what I'm doing. Really, I believe it's that principle of Lord Teach us to know the value of each day that you've given us so that we may present to you a heart of wisdom. And, and there's some dynamics in that <clears throat> that I'm tying into Psalms 23. Psalms 23, and so we're going to do that today. But I, 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 I want to start out again with, with Psalms chapter 90, verses 12 and 14, where Moses said, so teach us to number our days, and really to value each day, to understand that we're given one day at a time. Teach us to number our days that we may present to you a heart of wisdom. Oh, satisfy us in the morning. What's the morning? It's the beginning of each day. So it doesn't really matter whether your morning is 5 in the morning, 10 in the morning, or noon, whatever your morning is, right? The beginning of the day. Oh, satisfy us in the morning with your loving kindness that we may sing for joy and be glad all our days. Now, I want to I say something because joy... Uh, if you follow any neuroscience of the human body, uh, neuroscience defines joy, right, as what happens, like joy, they, they recognize that joy is something that is produced in, I believe it's the right-hand side, whichever is the relational side of the brain. Um, it's an it's a actual chemical reaction that happens, and it's the look in somebody's eye that says, I'm glad to be here with you. So when Moses talks about having joy all the days of our life and receiving each day, really it's a face-to-face -face event, right? It's a face-to-face -face event. Every morning, God, I'm going to get face-to-face -face with you, and I'm going to receive from you what you have for me today, and I'm going to value it, right? You know the word honor means to give value to, right? So I'm going to value the day. I'm going to honor the day you've given me. and and I realize that that is exercising the fear of the Lord. And it says that I will have, sing for joy all the days of my life if I can learn to engage in this practice. And I'll call it a practice. 
because it's something I'm probably going to have to practice. It doesn't feel natural, at least not at this point. Um, so, anyway, but I wanted to give you another thought on what Moses says here, because every story has time, it has circumstances, and it has place, right? Every story, Moses' story, um, he's, he's saying something, but it's set someplace, isn't it? This isn't just a random thought. Like, life is happening, and Moses is in life, speaking, praying, writing, and something's going on. So I, got, I, I can't prove this. I didn't even research it out, but I'm guessing. Chances are very good that Moses wrote this in the midst of the 40 years in the wilderness, wandering, right? And, and there are a couple of dynamics that create a tension in Moses' light, in, in his life, right? Um, Moses more than likely penned this amidst 40 years of wandering in the wilderness after the nation missed its opportunity to enter the promised land. And daily, Moses experienced two realities that created a tension in his life. So I want to give you two realities because these are realities for us. And these have to do with receiving each day from God. Okay? So one of the realities that Moses had to deal with every day is the reality of lost opportunity or what could have been. Now, I just, I'm just thinking through this this morning, even as we're in worship, I'm just pondering this. You know that, that I would say probably most fear that we experience in our life comes from past experience, right? Um, I just think about a friend of mine whose mom grew up in West Virginia, and when she was in her 90s, she moved here, and she loved bears. And he told me a story of how one day, and she loved cameras, one day he looked out, and she was like 30 feet away from a sow grizz and a cub, taking pictures. And so he's like, I got my shotgun, I walked out, made my way up to mom, I said, mommy, oh, they're so cute, right? She had no fear because she had had no experience. Right? But if you had an experience with that bear, right, the potential that's there, what would happen later on? You would have at least a healthy reverence because of past experience. And so most of the time in our lives, missed opportunity, what could have been, um, we can learn from those, but those can also create a great amount of apprehension and fear in our lives, right? And which would cause us to respond to those in the second dynamic that creates this tension, and that is the reality of the circumstances of today, right? And so here's Moses out in the wilderness with two million grumbling people, and every day he gets up, and, you know, about the 83rd time that they've moved camp in three years, we don't know how often they move, but they moved around, right? How many of you would like to move 10 times in three years? <laughs> Let alone, who knows how many times they moved, but say they moved 83 times in 10 years. And Moses gets up one day, and so he's got the dynamic of what could have been. They could have been 
in the land of Canaan. They could have been in the promised land. They missed the opportunity, and he's got the tension uh, building dynamic of today, the circumstances of today is, well, we have to move again. And it creates a tension in his life. Can you feel that tension? Can you feel that tension in your own life? The dynamic of what could have been lost opportunity and the realities of today. And so in the midst of that, it sets up what Moses writes when he says, God, help us to grasp the value of today in the midst of the tension of lost opportunity and the circumstances of today. God, help me to receive this day from you in the midst of that. Um, you know, another one I thought of because you heard the people complain about it, but really, if you had to eat the same thing every day, and I put here Moses' snacks on manna for the 10,000th day in a row. That's not an exaggeration. They were in the desert for 40 years. That's well over 12,000 days. 10,000th day in a row that you get up and eat manna. Hmm, there's a tension between what could have been and the circumstances of today. Man, I wish I was in the land of Canaan eating a lamb sandwich with a uh, 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 honey and date fig cookie, right? And a glass of milk and some grapes. But I'm not. I'm here eating manna again. Lord, teach us to know the value of today, right? Moses recognized that something obviously, do you know what happens when we don't manage that tension properly? We grumble. We grumble. Do you know how many times God judged the nation of Israel for grumbling? I mean, like massive judgment, wrath poured out, Thousands and thousands of people dead. The earth opening up, swallowing people. Grumbling, grumbling. Anybody ever grumble? I grumble. And I, and I think that Moses probably one day, he looks and, and gets what we call conviction, right? And, and, and he goes, man, he goes, uh, I'm not managing this tension well. And he pins this prayer. He prays, God, help me to understand the value of today. It's not what I want. It's, it's, I see the missed opportunity, but nonetheless, if I don't receive this day, and let me add this, and the circumstances of today from your hand, my heart will become hard and cold, and I will begin to grumble. And I'm not just grumbling about the circumstances. I'm grumbling against God. Isn't that what Moses told the nation of Israel when they begin to grumble that they didn't have water? He goes, you're not complaining against me. Who are they complaining against? Against God. Because they were unwilling to receive the circumstances of the day from God. Not just the day, not just the span of 24 hours, but the circumstances that came with it. And we see it again and again played out in the nation of Israel um, and if, if you look, man, I'll tell you what, you look in scripture, this marks me, I'll tell you why, because we live in a country that has a hard time with this. Um, David, 
David gets kicked out of Jerusalem by one of his sons. And as he's leaving Jerusalem, uh, there is a Benjaminite who's related to Saul, who is standing at the brook as they're crossing, cursing him. And the general of David's army says, let me go over and kill him. And David, what does David say? He says, no, let him be. Maybe this is from God, right? David is older, right? He's a little, little ways farther down in age. He's kind of learned some things. He goes, you know what? Uh, I'm not going to wear that too heavy because maybe I just need to receive it from the hand of God because maybe he's doing something with that. And if that's the case, I refuse to take matters into my own hands. Jesus stands before Pontius Pilate. Pontius Pilate looks at him and he says, why, why won't you talk to me? Don't you know that I have the power to crucify you or I have the power to set you free? And Jesus says this, you have no power over me except that which has been given to you by my Father. So in essence, what Jesus said is, I receive the circumstances of this day from the hand of my Father. Right? Right? Paul. Look at Paul. Man, look at the stuff that this guy goes through. I have been astounded. As as I read, I go, how can he have such a faith-filled disposition in the midst of all this garbage? Because is Paul a criminal? Where did he spend a lot of time? In prison. Can you find one place in here where he complains about that? Can you find one place in here where he writes to his constituency and says, come on, guys, take up arms and get me out of here? Matter of fact, if you were to read Philippians chapter 1, I, I have one verse from there today, but what you would find out is he says, no, I know that God will use all of this to advance his kingdom. Paul, in essence, says, not only do I receive this day, but I receive the circumstances of this day from the hand of my shepherd. Right? And and that has been part, I'll tell you what, when I don't do that, what I do, because of past experiences, I get up ready to fight rather than being ready to submit. And you go, well, well, what if it isn't from God? Well, Scripture clearly says, you know, we do have an enemy, but no weapon fashioned against me will prosper. That's a promise, right? But do I have to make that come to pass? Do I have to make all those decisions? Or do I say, God, today, help me see the value of today. And God, I accept from you the circumstances of this day. Because this is the foundation for Romans 8, 28. And my God is able to use all things for the good of those who love him and who are called according to his purposes. God, I receive this day. You are the shepherd. I am the sheep. And God, there will be adversity in this day, but rather than falling apart and falling into fear and running around bleeding like I don't have a shepherd, God, I receive it from you because I believe that you are able to do immeasurably beyond and above all that I could ask or think or even imagine. And so I I simply receive it from you. And it's the difference, right? This this was what we found in the life of David. I, I have just found this when I receive things from the hand of God. I go, I don't like that. 
But God, nothing touches my life without my shepherd's notice. If I'm a sheep, I'm part of your flock. Nothing touches my life that goes without your notice. And if you have allowed that to touch my life today, then rather than hiding in fear, right, the heart of David rises in me and I run towards it. And I go, well, God, you're just going to give this thing into our hands. I don't know how it's going to work out. But instead of running away from it or worrying about it or fretting or doing whatever else it is I do, I can move towards it with the confidence that you're with me. I receive it from your hand today, right? Wouldn't it have just been easier if God had just smoked all the Philistines and they never showed up on that battlefield? Is that how he did it? Now, nobody else was willing to receive that from the hand of God, but who? But David. David says, you know what? This is just circumstance of the day, but it's no different than the lion or the bear that I saw when I was out with the flock and God took care of them and he's going to take care of this guy too. Let's go. (laughs) It's not cocky. That's just like, man, I have such a great confidence in God and like the circumstances that he brought into my life today, the circumstances that he allowed to be here are just that. They're just circumstances. And my God is able. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Um, um, and, and, and I think maybe that's why for a couple of days, I got to the end of the day and there was just such a settledness in my heart because I hadn't run through the day trying to fix everything that I saw that was wrong. I just simply said, God, you're my shepherd. I'm the sheep. Lead me. Lead me. So I want to tie this in to Psalms 23. I want to tie this in. It's a great place to come back, Psalms 23. Um, Because that idea frames up the life of a sheep and defines how sheep-like behavior would come about. The idea that I can receive each day in its circumstances from the Lord from my shepherd. I receive this day sunrise to sunset and all it contains from my shepherd. And yeah, if the wolf comes, I'll probably bleat some. But I know the shepherd knows how to deal with the wolf. Not my job. I just receive his protection. Right? Right? Uh, Interesting, interesting fact Interesting statement that David makes. When uh, he's ready to face Goliath, what does he actually say about the bear and the lion? That he had to rescue the sheep from their mouth. Right? Well, that's not very encouraging. God, help me in the mouth of the bear. Don't worry, I got you. I ain't gonna let him eat you, right? He's not gonna carry you off. Yeah, he thought he was getting something. He got a taste. Hey, by the way, quit going over there by yourself. <laughs> right, right? Uh, so, so he says, but I rescued them from the mouth of the lion and the paw of the bear. There's going to be times when we feel the pressure, but does that mean the shepherd isn't there? No, no, no. And, and at the beginning of the day, I, I, I put this, I'm mixing my notes around. 
you're going to get some homework at the end of this. It's pretty easy. But can I say this? Romans 8.28, we love that passage of Scripture for our God is able to use all things according to the good of those who love him and who are called according to his purpose. A lot of times, most times, we take that passage of Scripture and we bring it in at the end of some type of something going wrong. Okay, yeah, God's going to fix this up. He's going to get it all going. But what if we begin to take that and apply it to the beginning of our day when we're receiving the day from the Lord? And we just said, God, whatever comes today, I accept it from your hand because you are able to use all things for my good because I'm called according to your purpose today, right? Um, and, and, and whatever it is, God, I won't fear when I see it, right? The first thing I'm going to do is look to you. I'm not going to be fixated on that because you're able. And that's kind of what we're told in Hebrews 12, you know, casting off all these things that tie us up and fixing on running with perseverance, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him, right, which was doing the will of his father, scorned the shame, right? Devil, I scorn the shame you try to put on me today. Like every circumstance that's contrary has the ability to go say something bad about you. That's what shame is. Shame says there's something wrong with me. That's why shame isn't something that God uses. He uses guilt. Guilt talks about circumstances. Guilt talks about action, right? Um, when I do something I should not do, when I engage in an action, I should not. I have guilt that enters my heart. Guilt is a, like a flare. It goes up, something's wrong, shouldn't do that, shouldn't do that. I need to respond to that, repent, and then guilt goes away, right? Because it has to do with how I'm behaving. Shame says there's something wrong with you for doing it. Now, that's what the enemy likes to use. And so, like, like he comes in and he tries to spread all the shame. Things happen. Oh, there must be something wrong with you. Where does that get my eyes? Gets my eyes off the shepherd and onto myself. What do you do when you get your eyes on yourself? You start trying to fix things. Rather than just going, man, I need to, yeah, that came. Okay, I got my eyes on the shepherd. He sees that too. How do I move with the shepherd while he deals with this? Right? Because he's got a plan. All right. So, it frames up the life of a sheep. Psalms 23, verse 1, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. That begs to ask a question right here. It says, I, I shall not want. You can paint a lot of pictures with that brush, but what does that really mean? I shall not want. What shall you not want for? Anything the shepherd provides. Right? right? It doesn't say I shall not want for anything I want. It says the shepherd, I shall not want for anything the shepherd provides. What does the shepherd provide? Shepherd provides nourishment. He provides protection. He provides love, right? He, he watches over. He cares for the flock. He lays down his life for the flock. I shall not lack for anything the shepherd provides. And so when the circumstances of life come and begin to try to press, the shepherd says, no, I stand between you and that. You may feel it, but you by no means will be overcome. We are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. I can do all things through Christ, right through the shepherd, not on my own, 
he who hears these words of mine and does them will be like the person who built their house upon a rock. And then, what? The hurricane came and beat against that house. Shepherd, shepherd, it's blowing. Well, I see the storm coming. You said it would come. God, I receive this day and the circumstances of this day from your hand, and would you help me to know the value of this day so that I may present to you a heart of wisdom and praise you all of my day, all of my day. I shall not want for anything the shepherd provides for. Now, I, I want to say, just, just kind of, I want to keep bringing this back. If you're a sheep, right, and you live a sheep-like life and sheep-like tendencies, for a sheep, when is the shepherd's provision realized? When do the sheep realize the shepherd's provision? Today. Today. Are the, she are the sheep worried about provision for tomorrow? No, what are, what's their greatest concern? The shepherd today, right? And where is the shepherd's provision realized? So we, when is the shepherd's provision realized? Today. Where is the shepherd's provision realized? The shepherd's provision is realized in light of today's circumstances. Right? Okay. You're the shepherd. Today you provide what circumstance? I'm hungry. Shepherd goes, oh, green pasture. Right? Now, some days, right, the green pastures don't show up when I want them to. Some days, I stay hungry all day, but you know what the shepherd knows? You will not die. <laughs> Keep coming. Keep coming. I'm taking you someplace. I'm, I'm not your microwave. I'm not your McDonald's. I'm your shepherd. I... I know exactly what you need, and I know exactly where I'm taking you. But if you can't receive from me the circumstances of each day, because they're not favorable to you, then you're going to pull and you're going to kick at the goads. You're going to complain and you're going to grumble. Because, man, I should have stayed back in Egypt. At least there I had onion soup. Right? Right? God brings, does this. Think of all the things that God did for Israel in that short amount of time when these plagues were coming on Egypt and all of a sudden they are released. Not one of them sick. They have plundered Egypt. They have the wealth of Egypt that they carry out with them and they're not two days into the desert and they are grumbling. Why? Well, I thought that everything was going to be like it was. Man, it was pretty good back. Like I had the food and now we're winning. Like this feels pretty good. I don't like these circumstances. Wow, where'd those 23,000 people go? They just fell in a big hole out in the desert. Grumbler. The ability to receive each day the provision of the shepherd because he gives it today and he provides in the midst of the circumstances of the day. Now, the next statement in Psalms 23 is a very natural progression from that thought. 
the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, right? Um, it's very natural, and, and um, from the first statement of, of identity, right? Isn't that what we call that statement of identity? He's the shepherd, I'm the sheep, he provides. From that statement, we find verse 2. Where did I put verse 2? Hmm. <laughs> well, he causes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. Um, I can't believe I didn't put that up. I'm going to turn to Psalms 23. I'm going to read it to you from my real Bible. Here it is, verse 2. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. We see God's provision, but his provision comes today. It comes in the midst of today's circumstances. So when I accept the day and all it holds from the shepherd, he can cause me to be nourished in the green pastures and beside the still waters of doing the will of his father. And more often than not, if you remember uh, when we went into Matthew's gospel and we considered the judgment when it says in, in that day, Jesus will sit on his throne and he'll gather the people before him and he'll separate them out like a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats and he'll put the goats on his right hand and, or the goats on his left and the sheep on his right, wherever it goes. And he begins to talk to him and he says, come all you who are blessed of my father into the kingdom that's been prepared for you because, and he lists all these things that they did. And the sheep go, what? What? When did we do that? When did we do that? They're oblivious to the fact that they did the will of the Father and pleased him to the point that he had prepared a kingdom for them. They're oblivious to it. You want to know why? Because they were just following the shepherd. They were not doing something big. They weren't conquering the nations. They weren't doing all the hard work. They were just following the shepherd. They were receiving every day and the circumstances of that day from the shepherd. They were allowing his provision to come into their life. And what was happening was he was causing them to lie down in the provision of doing the will of his father. And I, and I got that from Jesus when he met the lady at the well and his disciples said, here, eat something. And he said, I have food that you know nothing of. And that is to do the will of my father. So, these green pastures, this is, this is the will of God. He is able to cause me to lie down in the will of God and to be nourished there. But for that to happen, the progression is I have to be able to receive the day and the circumstances of the day from him so that he can lead me in time and place, right? And show me what he's prepared for me there, what he's prepared for me there. So, an interesting fun fact. I want to show you this because we, I had a picture in my head when I read this. I'm, I grew up in Conrad, and especially in the springtime, um, when you look out, and we had some sheep farmers around. Uh, none were super close town, but I did see them. And in the springtime, you would see them out on the hills in the green pastures, and it's just this lush, green, um, you know, pasture that the sheep are in. And this is when I read this, this is what I get. But uh, the green pastures in Israel are not the green pastures we paint in our imagination. And I don't, 
we have a, I have a picture. I think it'll come up here. I don't know how well you can see this. So we're in the Judean wilderness. We're on our way to Jerusalem. We stopped. It's an overlook. We were going to catch a sunset there. And I had been talking to Pastor Lynn about just these things, what God was stirring in my heart. And he goes, it's so funny. We're going to stop in a place where this becomes so alive. He goes, I'm going to show you the green pastures today. This is what David was talking about. And you go, what? It's just rocks. And he goes, yeah. He goes, so there are certain places in the wilderness where the rocks catch the dew, they condensate, the dew runs under the rock, it waters the grass that's under the rock, and the grass sprigs grow up from under the rock, and the shepherd knows where these places are, and this is where he leads the sheep to feed. These are the green pastures. <laughs> that's not what I want. Verse 2 is not a verse that we were meant to read to go, yeah, this is how God is going to make me fat and sassy. It's a verse of dependence. He causes me to lie down. In other words, this probably isn't where I would go if I had a choice. But God knows how to provide for me. He knows exactly what I need. He knows exactly where to lead me. And he's going to take me to a place and cause me to lie down there and be sustained, even though it's not what I would have. Now, if you're a sheep and, and you were born in this wilderness and you were raised in this wilderness, you would probably not have a big issue following the shepherd. But if you were a world traveling sheep and you got in a plane and you went around the world and you experienced the pastures, of other nations, and you saw the sheep in, in, uh, uh, in uh, some of the Scandinavian countries where they got all the rain and all the grass. Ireland, Ireland. And you went back to this, you'd go, no, 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 don't lead me here. Lead me there. And the shepherd says, but will you receive from my hand this day and the circumstances of this day and allow me to nourish you. And isn't that the tension that we have in our life? We, we compare ourselves with other critters living in other pastures and we go, no, 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 God, lead me there. God, I've got all this past experience and the pain of what could have been. And I have what I'm living in today and it looks like I'm heading back there. And so I'm going to pull really hard to go this direction, and the shepherd says, no, 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 no. Stay here with me. I'm the shepherd. Allow me to cause you to lie down in my green pastures so that you will find yourself unwittingly doing the will of the Father. Allow me, allow me to lead you there. Verse 2 is primarily given to portray a sheep-like dependence on the understanding of the shepherd. Am I living in dependence on the shepherd, receiving each day and its circumstances from the shepherd, or am I working hard to try to get the shepherd into a pasture I prefer over the one 
he is leading me to lie down in. Um, and so I want to I drop in real quick on another conversation. Can we do that? We, we looked at Moses today. We looked at Psalm 23. I want to I just kind of drop in on a conversation that's being had in Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 11. And, and this is where our shepherd Jesus is, is instructing his sheep on the practice of prayerful dependence on his father. I want to read to you what he said. Disciples had asked him, and I believe it's in Luke, teach us how to pray, right? I'm drawn from Sermon on the Mount where he says, when you pray, pray this way. So this is the conversation. Pray then in this way, our Father who is in heaven, holy be your name. Hallowed be your name. Holy be your name. Let your name be kept holy. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread. Isn't that the picture of the picture? Picture of the shepherd leading the sheep? Oh God, be my shepherd. God, you've got a plan for today. Let your plan come from heaven and be done right here, just like it is in heaven. And God, supply today the green pastures and the still waters that are necessary for today. I receive from you this day and the circumstances of this day because you'll provide for this day. That's what Jesus says. He gets to the end and he goes, hey, don't be like the Gentiles who worry about all this stuff. My father knows, but what? Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. What's righteousness? It's how God sees it. Seek first his kingdom and how he sees it. And then all this other stuff, like he'll take care of it. He'll take care of it. That's a, that's a very shepherd-like prayer for the sheep. Um, so I, I, each day, I, I, it's been the challenge to, to ask, to ask. I find in my life, most times, I don't know how to do most of this. Right? How do you do that? I don't know. The only way I know is to ask. Here's, here's what I found out about God. He loves it when we ask. He loves it when we ask. He loves it when we're dependent on him. He loves it when we acknowledge we don't know. He loves it. Because if I constantly know everything, that's called pride. God goes, I don't want to be opposed to you. Uh, I will never despise a broken heart. I will never despise a bruised reed or a smoldering wick. One that acknowledges, God, I need your help. I don't know. And so all of this, if you want to know what it's dependent on, it's dependent on our willingness to ask. I think sheep are very dependent. If you strike the shepherd, what happens to the sheep? They're scattered. They're dependent on the shepherd. So we ask, and, and, I, and I just want to clarify this. I was going through... And it just struck me, like, sometimes I do things, um, and I just assume that everybody would do it that way, but maybe not. So, 
who, who's the shepherd? Jesus. Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 11, I am the good shepherd. That's what he said, that I'm the shepherd. Okay, so we have a shepherd. We're the sheep, right? That's our identity. But Jesus is not here. So who are we following? Look at what Jesus said. John's Gospel, chapter 14, verses 16 and 17. Here's what Jesus says. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper that he may be with you forever. This is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him, but you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. So Jesus says, I'm going away. It's better that I go away so that the Holy Spirit can come. Isn't it interesting? Who sent Jesus? The Father. The Father sent Jesus. Who sent the Holy Spirit? The Father sent the Holy Spirit. What did Jesus say? I will ask the... He didn't say, I'm going away to send him. He said, I'm going to ask the Father. And it's interesting, if you read the, all the syntax and all the things of what Jesus said, what he really said is, my Father will send another like me. What he says. So the Spirit of God come. And now, look what Jesus goes on to say in John chapter 16. This same conversation, same prayer, John 16, verses 13 through 15, he says, but when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you. He will shepherd you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will disclose to you what is to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of mine and will disclose it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said, he takes of mine and will disclose it to you. So, who is present each day to lead? Who is present each day that we can receive the day and all it has from the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, not an it, not a, not a floating apparition that hangs out in churches. He's a person. He's the third person of the Trinity, the third person of the Godhead. He is sent from the Father, just as Jesus was sent by the Father. And he is here to guide. He is so personal. It's not just this weird thing. I was around, he's a person. He's a person. I'll never forget one day, I'm living in Billings. This is before I was married. I had a little studio apartment. I was actually getting up early, going to the gym. <laughs> we put that to death. Uh <clears throat> And I had come home, I'll never forget, my, my little table, it was only for two people, sat right in front of a window, it, it kind of faced south, you know, um, and, and I had opened it up, there's light coming in, it's about six in the morning, it's in the winter, and I made some oatmeal, set it on the table, I had my Bible out, I was getting ready to do some devotions, and I sat down, and no joke, it was so real, 
And I, I sense the Spirit of God saying, can I sit with you? And I, I just had an urge. I got up. I walked to the other side of the table. I pulled the chair out. I walked back. And I sat down. And it was just that sense of he was there dining with me. It settled it in my heart in concrete how personal the Holy Spirit is. And is it any wonder that Paul in Philippians, I told you I was going to take you to Philippians, Philippians 1.19, listen to what Paul calls the Holy Spirit. For I know this, that this will turn out for my deliverance, through your prayers, and the provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ, Spirit of Christ. So often when I pray, so often when I ask, I've, I've changed my vernacular. It, it, it's not in a ritual. It's not in doing things right, but it's just, it, it becomes so much more personal. Spirit of Christ, I receive this day and all of its circumstances from you. Would you lead me today? Would you shepherd me today? Would you cause me to lie down in the green pastures of the will of my Father, even though the circumstances probably aren't exactly what I would have asked for. I receive them from you, and I will move with you in it, looking to you, fixing my eyes on you, the author and perfecter of my faith, who for the joy that before him endured the cross, scorning the shame that the devil would try to bring in through the circumstances. I can't overemphasize the importance of the person of the Holy Spirit and his shepherdly activity in our lives. The Spirit of Christ has come to lead and shepherd you into the will of the Father. And the best thing we can do is to daily call on him for all that he has and all that he's doing and all that he's leading. It is not uncommon for the first words out of my mouth in prayer to be, Spirit of Christ, baptize me again today. I need all that you are. I need all that you are today. We need all that he came to give us. We need all of it. I, I probably don't have the capacity for all of it yet. <laughs> but you know, every time you ask, there's a greater capacity for God in your life. He'll stretch you. He'll stretch you. And, um, you know, you can tell you're growing in the practice because the grumbling becomes less and I become more willing to put on the garment of praise that he's prepared for me. Everything I do in prayer now, I'm finding, is so much more natural when I just receive it from him. I'll come in, I feel heavy. You ever feel heavy when you go to pray? You ever feel heavy when you wake up? You know, I feel heavy. I'll come in and I just begin to rehearse the truth and remind myself. And, and one day, I'm, I'm, now I'm just sharing. Now I'm just sharing. I, I was in praying, and, you know, the passage of Scripture comes to mind. Put on the garment of praise for a spirit of heaviness. I think it's a passage where I sung it in a song. Anybody remember that? 
I know it is. Put on a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Lift up your voice to God. Pray in the spirit and with understanding. Oh, magnify the Lord. That's what the song says. Well, to me, that feels like a performance verse. Come on, put it on. Just do it. Just praise God. Just do it. Show the devil who's boss. Just put it on. Come on. And one day, I'm in, and I thought of that verse, and it just felt heavier than ever. I'm like, God, I just don't have the strength to do it. And he goes, no, wait a minute. You're looking at this like something you have to do. He goes, the garment, I've already prepared. Just put it on. Just put it, just receive it from me and put it on. Oh, God, thank you. God, I exchange, here's my heavy, wet, stinky coat. God, I exchange that for the garment of praise that you have prepared for me to wear. And even if I don't feel like it, God, just, I put it on. I receive it from you today. God, I receive praise that I can give you in the midst of the circumstances of this day because you've prepared this day for me. And you are walking with me in it and you will cause me to lie down in the green pastures of doing the will of your Father. And and we're going to get into all this. You will lead me in paths of righteousness for your namesake. You'll lead me in the paths of how you see it. Because obviously, that's not the path I would take. Matter of fact, that path might even lead me into the valley of the shadow of death. But I'm not going to be afraid because you're with me. Like you're my shepherd. You're my shepherd. Um, so, your homework. Here it is. Uh, really simple. Don't, no, one, don't forget, don't forget who you're talking to. I love to talk to Jesus. I, I'll, I'll pray, dear Heavenly Father, right, in the name of Jesus. But I'm here to tell you, Scripture tells us that Jesus said it's better that I go away so that the Father can send you the third person of the Trinity who will be with you forever and he will lead you, he will guide you into all truth. Man, every day call on him and say, give me, bring, you're jealous to be welcomed in my life. Would you come and bring all that you are to bear on my life today and would you create a greater capacity in me for you today through these circumstances? And be my shepherd. Homework. Open each day with an honest invitation to the Spirit of Christ to come and saturate your life and your day as he leads you. Like I say, I don't know how to do most of this, but I know how to ask. God, would you help me? God, would you help me? Not to do it right, not to get better. Would you help me to be more dependent on who you are? <laughs> Don't pray for better performance. Pray for greater dependence. God, would you help me to be more dependent on who you are? Because the more I think I know, the more I get in trouble. But the more I follow, the more one day I'm going to stand and go, what? I did what? <laughs> when did I do that? Oh, when I followed the shepherd. Oh, didn't know. Great. Number two, verbally, out loud. Verbally means out loud. Science is proving that we uh, 
we, we process better, we retain better. Um, things stick with us better when we get them through more than one sense. So I, I never like to do it. I'll just be honest. Like I just like to read and be quiet. But God kind of challenged me again this last year as I was reading through the Psalms, I read them out loud. So not only was I taking it in through my optical nerves, I was taking it in through my oratory, right? And and it was just different. So I say this out loud. It's one thing to think it. It's another thing to say it out loud, to hear yourself say it. So out loud, receive the day and its circumstances from the hand of your shepherd. I say it out loud. Spirit of Christ, I receive this day from you. Help me to value this day. And I receive the circumstances of this day. Help me to see you at work in them. Um, when I say it out loud, I know I've said it. I don't have to get to the end of the day and go, did I really say that? <laughs> it does something here. I don't know all the mechanics of it, but I know that it's good to say it out loud. And so the last one is also verbally out loud. Declare Romans 8.28 over the beginning of the day. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. God, I'm called according to your purpose today. I declare that over the beginning of my day before one thing happens. If I declare it over the beginning of my day, I don't have to try to use it as a crowbar at the end of my day. <laughs> right? Because isn't that what Romans 8.28 really turns into so many times? This is like a crowbar to move God. God, you've got to do something to make this turn out good. Rather than just saying, God, it's good because I'm receiving it from your hand. And come what may. You'll use it for good. Uh, it may look like I'm laying on a pile of rocks today, but you've given me today my daily bread. And you will use today in your scheme. You will work today in your plan. And like, maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, maybe not a year from now, but at some point, I'm going to look back and I'm going to go, oh, I can see what the shepherd's been doing. It's good. It is good. It's very good. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. In the midst of your pasture, I will be fed. I will rest in the sureness of your finished work. And I don't want to go on and on, but... You know, when you receive, if you read Hebrews 4, it talks about those who through disobedience missed his rest. They were disobedient because they couldn't accept the circumstances of the day. When I accept the circumstances of the day from the hand of God, what I'm doing is I'm resting in his finished work. God, you got this. Like nothing touches me that you didn't know. You've already dealt with this. And so I receive all that you're doing from you. I will rest in the sureness of your finished work, and I will be refreshed by the streams of living water your Holy Spirit provides. So interesting, didn't spend a lot of time on it today. 
But if you look at the person of the Holy Spirit as he's presented in Scripture, he's continually compared with water, flowing water, streams of living water will flow from your bellies. Say Jesus would cause us to lie down in green pastures and to walk beside the still waters, the leading of the Spirit, the life that he brings. Mm. Father, we thank you for your great love for us. God, not only did you send your son Jesus to pay the price for our sins and to reconcile us to you and to give us life, but you sent the Spirit of Christ to us to lead us in that life and to lead us in the restoration of all things and of your people and your purpose and your plan. Spirit of Christ, would you help us? Help us to live sheep-like lives. Would you help us to learn the art and the practice of dependence? Would you help us to receive humbly from your hand what you provide each day in the circumstances of the day? Looking to you, knowing that nothing touches us that you don't know about, that you won't deal with. I pray for each one and in the, the midst of the world we live in, and the natural tendency is just to fight. Again, that can't be the prime mover in our lives. We come to you first. We submit to you. We receive from you. We move according to your purpose and your plan for each day. We thank you for all these things in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen.